Welcome to Worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on January 16th, 2022. Pastor M. closes the Galatians series with his message titled, Our Only Boast, from chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. Good to see you. Always good to, to be in the house of the Lord and especially to be here with friends. Um, we like to start our worship service just always remembering why we're gathering here. And our mission statement is printed at the top of your worship guide. It says, by grace, we are rooted in the gospel, committed to growing together, and sent to love Lakin in the nations. If you would please rise, and we will join Chad in the worship. Good morning. Good morning. Today's call to worship is based on Psalm 96. I will read the unbolded portion that says leader, and you can join the unbolded portion that says all. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The Lord
fill this place as you've promised where we gather, where two or more gathered, and we'll be there in the midst of them, Lord. We know that you're here. We ask that you would come into our hearts through the worship, through the preaching of your word. Um, God, we know that you can heal things uh, in our lives, and we just ask that anyone here who has any hurt or worry or fear of the future, that they could lay them at your feet today, Lord, that you could remind them of your power. Um, you created everything in this world, and uh, we come to worship you, to purpose above all things, to put your plans into our plans. And today we just ask that, that everyone could be able to lay those down, to leave them with you, to trust them with you, so that we can go out and be present with our families, with our co-workers, with the people we meet in the grocery store, and just share your love with them um, in incredible ways because of the work that you're doing in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
good morning. It is good to see your faces this morning. Um, we come now to a time of renewal. And I was just thinking about the renewal as we were singing that, that last song, You Make All Things New. Um, and I think the, the tendency of our hearts is to, when we get in a certain pattern of worship, we can often think, oh, this is a new, we've done this before. Um, but I would just urge you, when we step into this place, right, and we come now to, again, his word, that literally what you've gone through as we look as this word, you know, examines our heart. And by the way, it's going to say that, hey, we need to fall upon his grace again, that this grace, this grace is new for you again this morning. It's fresh. And, and so um, let us let us hear now his word, Romans chapter 3, 19 through 20, and then verse 23. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may help be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's the, that's the word. And so now let us fall. Let us fall then upon his grace in a time of silent prayer and confession. Love toward those who fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgression from us. We should all just jump up and celebrate. Amen. Amen. So let's just, uh, let's continue in that worship now. I invite you to stand and sing in response. Because man, when you're when you're out of the saddle for two weeks, 
You know, and it, it was good to sit under preaching. I hadn't had the time just to sit under preaching, but man, when you when you've been out, whoo, and then you preach a passage like today's, it's like, oh my goodness, hang on, uh, we might just be eating lunch here this morning um, because we're just going to be in the Word. Uh, but we are we are ending uh, the book of Galatians today. Uh, we are wrapping it up. So I think we spent I think twelve or thirteen weeks in this book, and I really wanted it to be our first sermon series um, going through this letter because as you have seen and I hope you have seen that that Paul really just keeps saying the same thing over and over and he's really just going to say if you're like oh man like I, I can't wait to get this passage because Paul's going to say something different not really he's really just going to emphasize what he's been saying throughout the whole letter and that is we need gospel renewal and that there's also a a, a big part of our hearts that still wants to take control, and we think we're the Savior. So uh, he's really just going to bring the heat. He's just going to wrap it up for us today. Um, so I hope you lean in. And so we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, 11 through 18, and I'll read it, and then we'll dive in. So here we go, Galatians chapter 6, 11 through 18. See with what large letters... I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the Lord, in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as far, and as far all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. And upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. I'm titling this message, Our Only Boast. Turn to your neighbor and say, Our Only Boast. There you go. All right, let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful that I. That you would, you would use me to proclaim your truth. And I just pray that, God, I would not say anything that is not clearly here in this text. And so I pray that, God, Holy Spirit, come and just, just humble me. And, Lord, just exalt you and your glory and your majesty and your cross that the cross would only get bigger in our lives and the world would only get smaller. And Lord, I just pray that God, gospel renewal in our hearts again this morning. And so come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Has anybody heard of the pastor, John Piper? Has anybody heard of John Piper? A couple of you. Uh, John Piper is, man, he really is like probably one of the, the most famous Preachers, pastors uh, today, 
And he, he gave a message at Passion Conference, and Passion Conference is one of the biggest conferences, and it's really for ages 19 to 25. Um, and it's, I think this last January, there were 60,000 people in the Bid Stadium in Atlanta for Passion Conference. Well, he was preaching in 2000 at Passion Conference, and really this sermon uh, is by far his most famous sermon. He's known for this sermon. He's This sermon has had more views on YouTube than I think most, I mean, a lot of other sermons. Uh, and guess what the passage that he preached on? It was really just his passage was an exposition of Galatians 6.14. And he opens his message like this. And I just wanted to read it just like this. It was really this opening illustration that shook uh, the nation. And this is, this is how he opened his message on this passage. Three weeks ago, we got word that our church, that Ruby Eliasson and Laura Edwards had both been killed in Cameroon, Africa. Ruby was over 80, single her, her whole life. She poured it out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached, the poor, and the sick in Cameroon, Africa. Laura was a widow, a medical doctor pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. The brakes failed, the car went off the cliff, and they were both killed instantly. And I asked my people, was that a tragedy? Two lives, driven by one great vision, spent in unheralded service to the perishing poor for the glory of Jesus Christ. Two decades after all their American counterparts had retired to throw their lives away on trifles in Florida or New Mexico. And he says, no, that is not a tragedy. That is glory. He says, I'll tell you what a tragedy is. I'll read it from you, from Reader's Digest, February 1998. What a tragedy is this. Bobby and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in North Northeast five years ago when he, when he was 59 and she was 51. And now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler playing softball and collecting shells. The American dream Come to the end of your life, your one and only life, and let the last great work before you give an account to your creator be. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. He says that is a tragedy. And people are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. And he says, I get 40 minutes to plead with you. Don't buy it. Don't waste your life. It is so short and so precious. And you could have heard a pin drop in that stadium. And here is why I read that. And here's why that's captivated me. It's because Paul is literally saying the same thing. He's like, don't buy it. You've got one life. He is coming to the end of this letter and he's taking the pen and he's saying, I'm writing something bold. And it is this, boast only in Christ. It's all about Christ. Your life is all about Christ. Or as one famous missionary, C.T. Studd, said, only one life till soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
And Paul is, again, summarizing what he's been saying in Galatians, guys. And he is going to give a comparison. He is going to give a comparison. In the first um, 12, 11 through 13, he is going to compare this false gospel that had been, that had been just, just really eaten alive, this church at Galatia. So this false gospel and their false boast compared to the true gospel and uh, the right thing to boast in. So that's where we're going because that's what Paul does. We're going to look at what he again summarizes as the false gospel and then what the true gospel is and why our boast should only be there. But guys, I, I, I'm just... This text is heavy because honestly, I think Galatians 6.14 is one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. Because it begs us to live like Ruby and Melissa that nothing else matters. Nothing else matters than the cross of Christ. So here we go. You're taking notes. First observation, 11 through 13 is this. The false gospel and the wrong boast. The false gospel and the wrong boast. So let's dive into it. Verse 11 starts with this. He says, see with what large letters I write to you. All right, I'm writing you with my own hand. See, what this is kind of strange because if you if you don't know how these letters were written, so he would have had a scribe, and you know there would have been a scribe writing down what you know, what he was saying, and and man, I would have loved that for seminary. Hey, won't you just write my paper? I'll tell you what to say. Oh my goodness! Uh, but he, anyway, he takes the pen. He takes the pen now and says, "Okay, give me that pen, scribe, and I'm going to make sure I'm writing with my own letters and in bold and all caps to draw emphasis." He's saying, if you haven't been paying attention, pay attention. I'll say the same thing to you. If you've been checking out for 12 weeks, guess what? Good news. Spark Notes editions right here. I love Spark Notes. But so here it is. And so now you can really just like, hey, this is Paul using my metaphor. Are you tracking? Are you tracking? Are you paying attention? Because he's like, hey, pay attention. This is important because he's going to, in 12 and 13, he's going to review how these false teachers who we've, we've labeled early on, that they, they were the Judaizers, that these false teachers had slipped into the church and were bringing a false gospel. Literally, verse 12 says, those who would force you to be circumcised. All right, we've talked about circumcision a lot. It's like, whoo, it's like, man, that... Playing a church. Are you sure we don't talk about circumcision every week? Well, I mean, Paul does, okay? But, um, and, and here's what he's saying. He's once again, these false teachers, this review, this is what he was saying. They were saying, oh yeah, I like Jesus. Like, Jesus is great. Like, we'll, we'll do Jesus. But we also need to make sure that these people are being circumcised. It's Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus plus and see, guys, again, here's the big question throughout the whole letter that we've been asking ourselves. Is true faith and true religion about divine accomplishment, something that divine accomplishment or human achievement? Because if it's about human achievement, then praise be the person. Praise to you. If you think you could save yourself and it's about then, then praise you. But if it's about divine accomplishment, something God does, then praise be to God. See, we are either people who are glorying in our accomplishments, what we're doing before God, or we're glorying in Christ Jesus. It's not one or the other. 
And see, the text is going to give us two reasons why they were boasting, why these false teachers were so boasting in this, this message and in their efforts, which I also think will give us a good insight to whether are we still boasting in our own efforts. And the first reason for them boasting in this false gospel was that they, that they had spiritual pride. They just had spiritual pride. Look at verse 12. It says that they want to make a good showing in the flesh. Now that word for good showing is literally one word in Greek, and it's found nowhere else in the Bible. And see, Paul's point is that the Jews wanted church statistics. These Jews, these false teachers wanted to say, you know what, how many people have we circumcised? How many people do we got on the circumcision document this week that we can turn in and say, hey, look how many people. We, we've got 50 people. We got 50 people circumcised. And they wanted to make a good showing. Literally, this is what verse 13 even says. It says, but they desire to have you circumcised that they would, might what? Boast in the flesh. And so they were boasting. Listen, they were boasting in external action without an internal change. Verse 13 literally says, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. So they were all saying, Hey, here it is. Here's the circumcision. Here it is. Here it is. You should do it. You should do it. You should do it. You should do it. But yet they, these were just external things without it actually transforming their hearts. And let me just tell you, this is our fight. I was literally... Um, this past week, you know, everyone's pastors in my family, and it's just like, you know, it's great, it's great, but, you know, sometimes we get our little theological things, and our little pastor, you know, I'm just a little bit different than they, and anyway, so I just remember, I'm, I was, I was, this is so wrong, this is just so wrong, I'm with my other family, and we're sitting down, and we're all, it's in the morning, we're all doing our devotions, and everyone's talking about how far behind they are. And their Bible reading. And I'm like, I'm not far behind. <laughs> I just had this smug, like, no. I'm actually ahead. And I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't say these things out loud, but I wanted to so bad. And that was like, and like, and I actually just started feeling a little more justified. Literally, I literally started feeling like, ah, Jesus, thank you that I'm not like my brother who's so far behind. Oh my gosh, he's still in First John. He's not even to Revelation yet. Like, and because, but that, that is, that's the thing. That is the sickness of our heart. And that's what he's saying. He's like, these, these false teachers, they were all about their Bible reading plan. They're, they're all about their external things. But really, they're not worried about the internal change. And let me just say, I know we're at the beginning of the new year. And so you might be like, oh, I've got a new Bible reading plan. This is great. We'll read all the Bible and do all these things. Slow down and make sure you make sure that what you're taking in is actually getting into your heart. You're actually glory in Christ Jesus. And you're not boasting in your external action. It's not about us going through these rhythms. It's about internal change. So that's what they were doing. And then... The second reason they boasted in, the, in their false message was that they wanted to avoid persecution. Look at the verse. It says, verse 12, it says, 
they who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. See, most people think that the first attack on the, on the church came from Rome, came from outside of the church, came from, and yeah, Nero comes and it's some serious persecution happening, but it actually, the first persecution for the church actually comes from within the church. It actually comes from the Jews. So we always have to understand, this is a side note, that the real, the real pressure for a church falling apart comes from inside the church, not from outside the church. And, and what, the, what was happening was these Jews inside the church, these, these Jewish people thought, okay, again, it's all about the Mosaic Law. It's all about the Mosaic Law. Yeah, Christ has come, but don't we still have to be about the Mosaic Law and, 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 and circumcision? And so these teachers felt that pressure and so they said, you know what? Ooh, we can't boast of just in, 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 in Jesus because we might upset these other Jews over here. There was a big fear of approval. And guys, the same pressure could be on us. Are you kidding me? Especially in the day we live like, if we're going to boast and say, be bold enough to say in this day, hey, by the way, the only way to heaven, the only way to God is through the cross of Christ. That's offensive. And if we think that boasting in that and proclaiming it is not going to be bringing persecution, you're crazy. Listen, I was listening to a pastor, and he was telling the story. He said, I, I once had a conversation with a woman who was wrestling with the claims of Christ. She had begun to realize that surrendering to God's will for her salvation would require radical change. If I believe that my, she says, I, if I believe my friends at the pool were really going to hell, she said, then I would have to tell them about Jesus, wouldn't I? But then I wouldn't have any more friends. Maybe not, Pastor said. People generally do not like being told that they are sinners who need a Savior. But that is what it means to be a Christian. It means standing up for the cross and Christ. Literally, in, in verse 17, if you jump down in our passage, it says this, From now on, this is what Paul says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Now, if you take a track record, like, Paul literally experienced this. He was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten. He literally had physical marks on his body because he was boasting nothing but the cross. And you may not get physical marks on your body, but you very well could. And I will also say this, and I will just plead for us. I will just plead for us, like, guys, let us just pray daily that the fear of man would just fall from us. And needing to be approved. Because I'm telling you, that is the pressure. That's the pressure for us to not boast and to start saying, you know what, I'm just going to be a little more timid. And, 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 and I'm telling you, the more you glory in Christ, the more you love Jesus, and the more you're outspoken about Jesus, just be prepared for opposition. And you might even start feeling that in your family. Like, this happens actually first in the families. Like, when one member of the family just gets so fire for Jesus, another one might be like, oh, you know, and there might be tension, like, I mean, it might come from that. 
but just expect it. But these false teachers, they just, they just gave in. They, they just gave in to the approval of man. And so that is Paul summarizing again these false teachers, their message, and why they were doing it. And now he's going to switch gears. He's going to switch gears and starting at verse 14, and here's my second point, and my last point, is the true gospel and the right results. The true gospel and the right results, or you could say it like this, the true gospel and the right boast. So verse 14 might, again, might be one of the most powerful verses in all scripture, and I know pastors like to say that all the time. It's like, oh, like... I'm being serious, like, legit, like, in my study this week, there was a lot of commentaries and other pastors who would say, you know, they were saying the same thing, like, this verse is, like, it's a life hurt. I mean, this verse is powerful, it's jam-packed, because this is what Paul says, let's get to it. Paul says, but, which shows the contrast, okay, that's, again, those words, like, but, therefore, for, again, those are big words in Scripture. Circle them because he's, he's doing something new here. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying at the core of your belief, at the core of your religion is what you boast in. What are you boasting in? Everyone is boasting in something. Everyone is putting weight on something. And he's saying, far be it to me to boast of anything but the cross. And, and that word boast, literally, um, we do not have an, e an English equivalent. That's really what he means here. And really what he means here, I think John Stock gets to it perfect. He says this, boasting is glorying in, you trust in, you rejoice in, you, re you revival in, you, you live for. He says, it's the object, the object of our boast or glory fills our horizon. It engrosses our attention and absorbs our time, our energy. And he, then he says, in a word, our glory is our obsession. So Paul is saying, I'm literally obsessed with the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, you have to get that it says cross first. It doesn't say I'm obsessed with just Jesus. Get that it says he has the cross in there. I'm obsessed. You're a, I boast only in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why that's so weird is because the cross in that time compared to our time is way different. In our time, like the cross, it, you know, we have it tattooed on our bodies. We put it on our Pinterest page. We might have it cutely arranged in our living room. Um, but the cross in that day when he was saying, I'm boasting all the, was a major, major offense. This was the most gross, grotesque way a criminal could have died on the cross. It would be the, like equivalent to us saying, oh, I boast only in the electric chair. You walk in, there's an electric chair hanging above the, the fireplace or like a lynch mob or, you know, no, it's like, Paul, what? Why is boasting in the cross? Why did he say the cross? Because the cross is giving Paul, it's giving Paul and you and I new identity. The cross is showing us the only way, again, to be made right with God. The cross shows us just how much God 
loves you. Paul is not boasting in his performance, his record, but the God of the universe who came down, put flesh on, died on the cross to show Paul and us that we will never, ever, ever be good enough to save ourselves in our moral action. And justice shows how bad we really are. Again, religion. Guys, religion is tiresome. Religion just makes us obsessed about ourselves, but the gospel makes us obsessed about the cross of Christ. See, and the application here is our boast now. Yes, is in the cross of Christ, but that also means that that means that you've had again a week or a, a time where you just feel morally lost. What do you do? You boast in the cross. You look to the cross where that sin that has been dealt with. And then what do you do when you feel like I did? Round up, oh, I'm just so good. You, you, you just fall again. You look to the cross. And when you boast in the cross, the text says, the text says two things happen. Not four things, two things. Two things happen. The world dies to us. The world dies to us. Look what the text says. It says, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul is, this is crazy. He's not saying that um, the world is just awful and again, I'm, I'm digging a hole and I'm just going to live in this hole and I, I, I just, the world just, please get away from me. I'm scared of the world. And No, no, no. He's not, he's not saying that. But he's saying he is free to enjoy the world because he no longer needs to fear it, fear it taking control of like, oh my gosh, or worship it because Christ is enough for him. I love what Charles Spurgeon says on this verse. He says, what does this verse mean? What, is, what does Paul mean by this? Why he means that ever since he fell in love with Jesus Christ, he lost all love for the world. It seemed to him, it seemed to him to be a poor, crucified, dying thing, and he turned away from it, just as you would from a criminal whom you might see hanging in chains, and would desire to go away rather than to see the poor being. So Paul seemed to see the world on gallows, hung up there. There he said, that is what I think of you and all your pomp and all your power and all your wealth and all your fame. You are on the gallows, nailed up, crucified, and I would not give a fig for you. See, can you look, can you and I look at our success our money, our possessions, our status, our community, things from the, and say, you know what? I wouldn't give a fig for you. And if you can't, the message today, and what Paul is saying, the message is not, don't be paralyzed in shame. I'm not saying, oh, you just love the world. Oh my goodness, shame on you. No, what is Paul saying? He's saying there's a greater delight. 
He's saying, child of God again, us, for us to come in here who've been living out in the world, and the world is telling us, oh, this is what's most important. This is what's most important. This is what, and we come in here, and this is why we need smaller. This is why we need to wake up in the morning and daily be upon our knees or in the afternoon, taking times to realign ourselves and saying, Lord, let me gaze again about the meaning of life, the cross of Christ. Because I've been putting a ton of weight, a ton of weight over here with my job or with my status or with this thing or that thing, and I'm losing perspective again. And Paul is saying that is the point. Take and boast only in the cross. And what this kind of practically looks like for one person, C.T. Studd, who I quoted in the beginning, was a famous cricket player. And I know we all play cricket. Uh, we'll have a cricket game uh, a couple weeks from now, by the way. Uh, no, we don't play cricket. Like, Well, maybe. We don't play cricket. Um, anyway, so he was this famous cricket player in the 19th century. Literally, he was like the LeBron James of cricket players. All right, if there could be one. He was it. And he, he had huge success. Like he, like, he was the most successful cricket player of his time. And um, so at the height of his career, he resigned. He resigned his position and went to a, as a missionary to India. And then he went to China, and then he went to Africa, where he lived the rest of his life. And he got big heat from it. Um, and, I mean, imagine if LeBron James did that. Like, imagine that just came on the news. Like, oh, LeBron James, he's going to go be a missionary. Now that it, it, I mean, we'd just be like, what? Like, no, LeBron, you're LeBron. And see, in Stud's day, people respond, they came to him, and they were scrutinizing him, and that's when he said, well, only one life to soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Now, I'm not saying, and I believe C.T. Stud would say, you know what, I probably could have been a cricket player and, and really been obsessed with Christ, but he's like, no. He's like, you know what, I, at this moment, at this time, I needed to, to shift. And guys, as, again, as we're starting, as we're starting this church, like, I, I don't... I don't, I don't want us to be like the false teachers and say, oh, look how many circumcisions. And we're always worried about how many people want this and this and that part of our service. But the main thing I want is us boasting in the cross. Nothing else matters. Like if we're, I mean, I, I know that sounds really simple, but what else matters? If we're all people here just boasting in the cross, he's our power, he's our source, he's our joy. It's all about what Christ has done and he's finished it. We're living in his power. What do we have to fear? What do we have to worry about? It's been accomplished. And then the second reason why we boast only in the cross is that the world doesn't only just lose grip on us, but... We become new creations. Look at verse 15. Neither circumcision counts for anything, nor, um, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So again, he just says it again. Neither religion, you know, moral duties, nor um, my moral failures. It's, it's Jesus. All that matters is the cross. And see, the cross is not a modifier. The cross... We don't invite people to come into a relationship with Jesus, come to the cross, and, and, and to a code of ethics, or a, a, um, a pep talk every day. No, 
we invite people to the cross of Jesus Christ to what? Get new life. That we understand that you are dead. You're dead apart from Christ. And now in Christ, you're a completely new creation. And that should give you immense hope in your darkest days. When you are in that moment where you're like, I have no idea why God would love me. And you go right to this person. You say, you know what? I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. And if, and if you're not, here's the good news. And I'm going to close on verse 16. And as for all those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. See, this rule, what rule is he talking about? All who walk by this rule. Or other versions say standard. This rule or standard he's telling us to walk by is the gospel. What he just said, boasting in the cross. We live by it daily. And whenever we tire of it, we go to verse 18. His prayer has been the grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Nowhere is the crucified life really, I think, expressed more eloquently than the words of the great hymn from Isaac Watts, The Wondrous Cross, which was literally written based off of Galatians 6. Hear these two verses again. When I surveyed the wondrous cross where the young prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor content on all my pride. And jumping down, where the whole realm of nature mine that were at present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul my life, my all. So, family, this is it. Let's not waste our life. Let's not waste the moments God has given us here on this life and boasting in false message and worrying about cares of the world, but our boast, our hope, our anger, our obsession is the cross. Because it's in the cross that we have life, identity, and we're saved, and it truly is our only boast. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you so much for your word, and it's, it's amazing to me, Father, that you would, you would die for us that you would shed your blood upon a cross to give us hope in the midst of when we fail and then to show us, hey, child, you're never going to be good enough. Look to me. Look to me. And so, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, take the words that I have said and the words that are from you that needed to be heard and said, Lord, let it not just stay in our minds and truth. Make it to our hearts and transform the way we live. All for the glory 
in the fame of you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, well, we approach now a time of communion, and, you know, our, our verse, I want to remind you that our verse is that we, we're to boast nothing in but the cross of Christ, because it's in the cross, it's in the cross where, where again, Jesus broke, Jesus broke his body and he shed his blood. So again, we could have forgiveness of sins, life everlasting. And I also thought, holy cow, like what better way? It's amazing that our God would give us sacraments, that God would give us the sacrament because what better way for us to boast? What better way for us to say we need our union, our, our strength rebuilt back up but in the cross? And then in this amazing, amazing sacrament. And so, you know, again, this, this table is, is the Lord's table. This is not the table of, of this particular denomination um, or Grace Lakin. This is Christ's table. And so this table is open for anyone who needs Jesus. This table is for the believer. This table is not for the unbeliever. So if, if you're not a believer with us, why don't we just ask that you would just watch you watch what, as, as we partake in, of breaking the bread and dipping the wine to remember and to let it show you. Let it show you this is what Christ has done for you and that you could put faith in Jesus right now and be forgiven, healed, and have new life. And so we also are reminded of the words of the institution, 1 Corinthians, where it says, For I did... For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and after he blessed it, and he broke it, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Lord, we do ask you to bless these elements. We do ask you to bless this time of communion. God, let it, Holy Spirit, use it to strengthen our union with you and our boast in, in, in the cross alone. So we just ask now that you would just bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, we're going to use intinction. And so that simply means when your heart is prepared and ready, we just ask you to come forward and you'll simply tear a piece of the bread, dip it into the cup, and then return back to your seat. So when your heart is prepared um, and ready, we ask you to come forward.
Father, I love that song. Nothing else. Nothing else. And so, Lord, again, just thank you for that sacrament. Thank you for the cross of Christ. Holy Spirit, move in us that we could truly say as Paul did, far be it from us to boast in anything but the cross. The world has been crucified to us and I to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. We come now to a time of tithes and offering, and I want to just read the, the scripture from our worship guide, Hebrews 13.5, which it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He is He truly is going to pour out every blessing on you. He's given you everything you need, and so He's given to you so you can give back to the kingdom. And we have now a fancy, really awesome new deposit box. Uh, and so it's really easy now to give. So right when you exit, you can't miss it. The black box and it has ways to give online, which is super easy now too. You to donate. Uh, we don't have to go through Aspen Grove anymore. And then uh, you can just drop your um, donation right into that, that box and we'll, we'll deposit. So if your heart is stirred to give, we encourage you to give that way. But it, stay in and, and join us for our closing song now.
think it's only fitting that we end with the same benediction that Paul did to the church of Galatia. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com.